This is Freelance Feels, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance or thinking about it. My name's Jenny Stallard, I'm a freelance lifestyle journalist and I founded Freelance Feels in 2019 as a response to my own mental health challenges. The idea behind Freelance Feels is to show freelance life in all its reality, from the down moments to the yay ones, and share other people's stories as well so we all feel less alone in the self-employed world. Episode, I speak to a different freelancer, self-employed person or entrepreneur about their work and mental health, exploring their story, their challenges and triumphs, as well as getting valuable advice from them. Freelance Feels is also a newsletter, freelancefeels.substack.com and on social media at freelance underscore feels. Please do come and find me on Instagram and let me know how you're getting on with your freelance journey. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Seals, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. This morning I'm talking to Tom Chapman from Lions Barbers Collective. Hi Tom, how are you doing? Welcome. Please tell everybody what your freelance is and what, what you do in the self-employed space. Hi Jenny, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, so it, I, it's a bit of a weird one really because people, when people ask me what I do, mm. um, it's a difficult one to answer and people would probably just say I'm a barber or a hairdresser. Uh, but I only actually cut hair one day a week now. So I am the founder and CEO of Lions Barber Collective, which I do as freelance as well, because the charity is in a position to employ people such as yet. Um, I am also an author uh, and, and freelance education in the hair industry. So I'm global barber director and I'm also an international educator for a couple of different companies. Um, so it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a weird one. The things are always changing and evolving. I, mm-hmm. So, yeah, a year ago I may not have been one of those things, and then another thing, another sort of job title or form of revenue appears. And I think it's about being just being able to, to evolve quickly and being fluid and moving with the times and what's happening, isn't it? Really, mm. it sounds like it suits you to have a lot of things going on. Like that amount of things might frighten some people. They'd be like, how do you find the time? But you're the kind of person that thrives on having loads of different freelancers in inverted commas. Uh, well, it, it frightens me as well sometimes. Um, <laughs> there's lots of things that we you know, were planning to do and you lay in bed and go, oh, why have I decided to add that to my never ending list? And we've actually- That's a familiar feeling. Here, <laughs> but, <laughs> but in, the office, in the office here we've got like a um this is lions hq i'm in at the moment mm-hmm. we've got why well, i painted one of the walls of char- uh, blackboard paint just so that i could have like my brain on the wall as such um, and one of the girls works here with her <laughs> karen karen works with me she put up tom's brain in a big circle and she added loads of things off of it just i said to her i couldn't sleep a few weeks ago i was thinking about stuff. Well, what are you thinking about and she's drawn all these lines off it and then uh, she went, oh, yeah, I can, I understand now. I understand why you couldn't sleep. <laughs> that is brilliant. Oh, my goodness. And I love the fact that that's a classic example of when you're freelance and you have your own office. Like, if you were at work in an office space and even in a co-working space, you couldn't just go in one morning and say, I want to paint that wall. I mean, you'd have to have a pretty understanding boss or company, wouldn't you, to say, mm-hmm. yeah, you can put a load of chalk paint on that wall. But when you work for yourself, you're like, right then, <laughs> where's the chalk paint? Because that's what that's I want true. on my office, you know. I'm a fan yeah, of that. I think as it's well. one of those things. <laughs> it's, it's, for me, it's a bit of a weird because I'm not. I try and be organised. I try and have my you know uh, action day planner and t- time. But sometimes things just get in the way, and I'm a creative more than a 
more than sort of like a an admin mm-hmm. sort of an academic person as such <laughs> I suppose and so this for me having this up on the wall and I have bits of paper in and out folders and all that sort of stuff and something's digital and some things are written down and some scribble on notes so if I can actually have the big projects I look up and I've got our, our mission and our vision for the charities there on site to do list Tom's brain mad sketches up there and <laughs> the things that we've got coming up I can it's always there it's always just look up and everything's there and I think that just that helped that has helped me an awful lot stay yeah. on track with things yeah it's good to get it out isn't it just list it down somewhere I have a whiteboard that I put a lot of stuff on in a similar manner it's quite a big piece of whiteboard so it's sort of and and I try my best to have spreadsheets and things and I do have the odd spreadsheet but I always find myself gravitating back to writing on the whiteboard that's where it it makes more sense I mean it sounds like you're the same you're better at if it's written with a pen and paper rather than spreadsheeting to hell or whatever (laughs) yeah yeah, I mean it is whatever I think it what what works best for you isn't it and I think that's something that's I've found along the way with all my different freelancing uh jobs or roles or whatever you want to call them I, I I found it is find out what works best for you because you can tell people what to do Mm-hmm. um but until you try it yourself and go yeah that's working and think or no it's not working don't it doesn't mean if it doesn't feel right for you and you're constantly trying to do spreadsheets and it probably isn't right for you mm-hmm. and you're looking you're hating it and dreading it but if you find it okay to sketch things down or write things on the wall or you know whatever that may may look like then that's what's that's what's key isn't it but it's about trying lots of different things until you find the things that work for you and also things change don't they over time mm-hmm. sometimes this was working for me and then actually you evolve and you grow as a person or you change or you find a better way um so i think it's about just evolving working what's best for you not getting stuck in a bubble and thinking right that's it everything works for me now this way i'm never going to look at anything else mm. never know what's around the corner that's brilliant advice i've never thought of that I, that's one of the things i love about doing the podcast is i get loads of great <laughs> advice that i can then use in my daily life but yeah it hadn't really occurred to me that we we're allowed to give ourselves permission to say well hold on Actually, yeah, spreadsheets work for, I don't know, keeping track of my pictures, but keeping track of my day-to-day thoughts and plans, the whiteboard. There's no reason why yeah. you can't do both and, and that kind of thing. Oh, brilliant. I love practical advice. <laughs> That's, I love it when people have practical advice, so this is spot on. Um, have you always yeah. worked for yourself? And is it usual in your industry to be self-employed? How does that work? Have you always been freelance or did you move into so, it? So it's a weird one because the, the, the hair industry as such, that part mm. of it is very much self-employed now very much Mm -hmm. going that way there's lots of like gray areas around it there's lots of benefits and then it depends on the person it depends on individuals some people just want to go to work and know i'm going minimum wage and i'm safe and secure i can pay Mm -hmm. these bills job done a lot of people there's a lot of people that want to do more sometimes self-employed scares you because you've got to do your books you got to you know there's all those little extra worries and we're all, I think we're, you know, led to fear the tax man and the tax man's the enemy. Yeah. And that and that builds a lot of negativity and fear over things. Um, so, and I think in the hair industry, a lot of people aren't academic. You go into a lot, generally, you go into the hair industry if you can't do anything else. And there's this whole thing around being, I'm just a barber, I'm just a hairdresser, mm. which is so frustrating uh, for me because they're undervalued. And I think that kind of negativity puts that, fear on a lot of the hair industry around being self-employed for not knowing how to well I don't know I can't I'm not very good at maths I can't do my taxes and I can't and there's not a lot of help us um there to help those mm. people information to help them really um which I think is a bit of a shame so it's a bit of a weird one in the hair industry at the moment but myself personally I 
I, my parents were entrepreneurs always. They, I grew up with my parents working. They had got uh, like a sandwich shop. I suppose it was like Subway would be now. You go Brilliant. and order any of it, but like back in like late eighties, early nineties in Maidstone, um, and then the recession hit, and they got rid of that, and then we moved to Isle of Man, and they did stuff. They had their own restaurants out there. They also, my dad set up a film company and started doing. Uh, oh, wow. film I know it's random isn't it uh, film, so cool. a bloke, a bloke, so they were selling all the rubbish all the rubbish from this place we moved into and yet they found the attic outside and a guy come in looking for props for a film set my dad got talking to him he said do you want to go and do a uh, do you want to be a driver on the film you've got any work going I'll come and do it he said yeah I'll, I'll help out with that after a few weeks of watching how it was working he thought to himself I could do a better job than this so he went out and started buying transport vehicles and and end up having a, a transport a film transport company uh, where they did they sort of provided all things like catering trucks hairdressing trucks makeup trucks generators driving all the run around and he was also a location manager for that for a while um they they've run hotels they've had their uh, clothing shops chain of fashion shops Oh um, more restaurants they've done loads of stuff and I grew up in that environment so I started mm. you know working in I can remember at a very young age being in the sandwich shop I can remember working in a restaurant the other man making the chips for him doing the washing <laughs> up waiting tables and then I had my first proper job I suppose when I was 12 and I worked in the butchers mm-hmm. I just had to make make hand make burgers so I had to go around and pick up all the scraps of meat from the butchers stick them in a big industrial minster, poking it down with my fingers. You know, uh-huh. At the age of 12, <laughs> at the age of 12, Jeremy, there's no way you'd be allowed to do that now. And then weighing them all up and making the making the burgers, like hand-pressing 350 burgers and that. But that, but that was, and then I've always, I've always worked since then. Mm. Um, I did my A-levels and I was going to go to uni and study ancient, hi- ancient history and Egyptology because I've got quite an interest in history. Yeah, um, well, especially Egypt. It's have you been to oh, Egypt? Yeah, no, I haven't. I'd love to go. No, it I'd is love amazing. to. Amazing, it is. Well, that's one of the reasons why I want yeah. to do it. Yeah, um, it's wonderful. But that was massive interest. My mum said to me, "Is that what you really want to do?" Mm. I said, "Well, I don't know. Really, it's just sort of like the route I've been. I've got predicted grades, but I always used to do my own hair, cut and colour my own hair, cut and colour my mate's hair." I was into punk rock and metal music. So I used to have pink hair one week, blue the next, mohawks, leopard Brilliant. print on it, and all sorts of leopard stuff. Leopard print, so, awesome, my favourite. <laughs> well, but I, and then I never considered it as a career mm-hmm. because I was, yeah, predicted grades were okay. And all my tut- tut- uh, tutors said to me, they were disappointed in me when I told them I wasn't going to go and do oh. my, my university degree um, because I had predicted grades. But yeah, I went off and did it, and it's the best thing I ever did. And that has slowly become a self-employed very early on I think probably about mm. 20, 22 23 something like that and then so if you'd gone off to an office job since yes yeah, so if you'd gone off and gone mum dad I'm joining the insurance firm they'd have been like what the yeah. hell that's not what no, we brought yeah, you yeah. up to do <laughs> no they would have been like that's weird yeah no that's always been in that that you know I've always been in that kind of environment the entrepreneur environment and did it without even realizing it and it's just always been my way and I learned a lot of things from them you know that integrity and and then also just like being uh, I don't know like just that whole thing just you know what you can turn your 
you can turn to anything you can turn your hand to anything because if it's only it's only you that stops so if something one door shuts there's always another door and if that door doesn't if that door doesn't open properly or something you don't like what's in it you can just go down the hallway and open the next one and open the next yeah. one and and just try those things out because sometimes mum and dad i saw things didn't work for them sometimes through no thought fault of their own sometimes people you know mess them about or didn't pay big bills and mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the and yeah that's one of the things about being self-employed as well the invoices and things like that oh, and chasing gotcha. stuff up and not getting paid because it's happened to me mm -hmm. but you know it's just uh you gotta right okay move on to the next thing what's next and, and just so hard, not, not hang on to things yeah, yeah it is really hard i love that idea about like it's kind of again, sort of permission to accept, isn't it? It's, there's a lot about giving yourself permission, I suppose, when you're self-employed, because often there's nobody else that can give you permission apart from you. But <laughs> the idea that it's okay to say, okay, do you know what? That isn't actually, that hasn't worked. It's a real shame. Maybe yeah. you'll have a cry about it even, and perhaps you might have a week of really yeah. being down about it, or it might really affect you emotionally for a while that something you believed in didn't work. But yeah, at least we can yeah. then turn around and say, well, okay, what next then? Yeah. yeah, and I think that, that, that's so important, isn't it? I think that's so important just to to life in general. And think, like, two of the best things I ever did in my career, one was opening my own salon because it mm -hmm. gave me the freedom to, although I was self-employed, I was self-employed in other people's salons. Mm -hmm. But the opening of my salon gave me the freedom to be able to not only have the products and tools and things and have the style and design that I wanted and create my own space that I like working in with the team of people I wanted to work with mm -hmm. but also you know it gave me the permission to use that space as a studio for photo shoots video shoots we used to have a thing called salon sessions which is where once a month we used to push everything out of the way and put some live music on in there get bands to play we were sponsored I got sponsorship by a rum company it used to give us free drinks set up a free bar Domino's Pizza was across the road. They'd always support us by bringing over pizzas and just put on things like this and create this community atmosphere and stuff. And it was fantastic. And it became a you know a hub of Tom Chapman, I suppose, as it were. And you know, sorts of stuff going on in there. But that, you know that was that was the inception of Lions Bible Collective was in there. Mm -hmm. Everything happened in there. But then the second best thing I ever did, which was, but also one of the hardest things I ever did, was selling that business mm -hmm. and walking away from it because, yeah, I was like. I was doing too much, I suppose. I was spinning the plates and I was doing the Lions Barber Collective. I was doing, um, I had a new, a new family, a young family, mm -hmm. yeah, um, two young boys. I had a salon. I was traveling a lot for both Kuhn Hair Cosmetics and JRL uh, hair, hair Tools. And I was, you know, spent a lot of time out of the country. I'd be in Brazil or I'd be in, I don't know, LA or something. And I'd get a phone call from the, from the salon saying, mm -hmm. Tom, Tom, the, the, the internet's not working and like, right okay and it's three o'clock in the morning here in in, uh, in la was they're like yeah. oh uh, uh uh okay so we turned it on and off again you're like oh you know i haven't done that yet i'll try that I was like Aww. if you don't do that then then call the internet but it was just things like that constantly going on and whilst you're worrying about something else i was spent i was traveling worrying about the salon and worrying about you know staffing and all that but my dad said to me look you need to pick one of these one thing that's not working and, and get rid of it Mm -hmm. but I felt it felt like it was a failure getting yeah. rid of the salon oh, what a but shame actually, though because you best, built this it business mm. it's one of the best things I ever did because it was the thing out of all the stuff that I was doing that I became, that I liked the least I suppose not mm. like dis, not, I disliked it but I liked the least and it became a burden mm -hmm. and I think it was you know like I said earlier on it's okay to fail at things or, or not fail at things but move on from things if it's not working for you like we talked about spreadsheets and what have you and mm. blah, 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 before. it's okay to say right 
that part of my life is not working now so I, I can get rid of it and I can move on to something else and it doesn't have to be you know I and now I'm totally liberated in that sense because I don't have to worry about anyone else other than me and I guess the before I did the failure is the freedom like there's that yeah. empowerment of saying well you chose to do something different for your business so that yeah. they almost go side by side in terms of the emotional journey there don't yeah they? Well, I think I think the thing is as well as financially it probably wasn't really working out as much because I was spending so I would go to whatever so I'll go away for a week somewhere and I'd work work away I'd come back be absolutely exhausted have a couple of days off because I'm you know jet lagged or whatever mm-hmm. and then and then go back to work but because I'd been out of the salon for a week as the highest earner of the salon I'd the salon takings had gone down therefore mm-hmm. the money that I earned for traveling and being away from my family for a week and being by myself and all the other bits and pieces I had to put straight back into the business because and it was just balancing out and I think that was another thing is sort of thinking well what's the point of me being away from my family and traveling and doing these things and I could do the same here Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and not, there's, no, there's no sort of financial gain for it at all, actually. It's just I'm more, I'm more tired, I'm more stressed, yeah. <laughs> and we're getting any financial gain out of it. So if I can get rid of one of those things. Um, that makes a lot of I, sense. Yeah. yeah, it does. So. But you said that's where Lions, the, the idea for Lions Barbers Collective started. I love, I love the idea that, and this comes up so often with people, that you have to be the you that you were at one point in order for you to become the you you are with your business yes. in the future. And it's almost like if you hadn't had the salon, you might never have developed the idea for lions even though the salon now isn't there it's like but it had to be part of your journey because it then fits yes. that jigsaw and what, what gave you the idea tell us tell us about like how it all came to be and and how it works and, and everything about that lions barbers collective so uh lions barber collective was actually i think when i was in that space of the salon like i told you i do lots of projects i sell sessions i did mm. photo shoots i wanted always i was always doing something i was always using that space and after doing those photo shoots i thought how cool would it be if i could get together 30 or so barbers and although at that time there wasn't many barbering magazines barbering was still seen as sort of like a second rate in the hair industry after hairdressing mm. and there wasn't the big photo shoots around men's hair and barbering like there is now um but the idea was to get 30 barbers together, get them all to donate one picture of a haircut, a professional high-res picture, collaborate them all into a into a lookbook, get those sponsors, and sell that uh, to make, raise money for charity, the idea was. Mm-hmm. The guys all suggested loads of charities, and it was lots of male cancer ones. And then one of the guys suggested suicide prevention. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, uh, well, I was I was sort of blown away that I hadn't thought of that as something because I was completely unaware because a year, about 12, literally 12 months before, we had lost uh, a friend to suicide. He was only 27. Mm. I'd seen him days before and he was, seemed fine. He seemed fine. But that, and I thought, well, if, if that, if that can happen to me, I've lost somebody and I'm not aware of any mental health or suicide prevention charities or if, you know, there's how many people out there are struggling Mm. lost a friend or family member and, and completely unaware so I thought okay let's do this and that's what we raised money for we had a lot of interest really quickly mm-hmm. um we announced it sort of on the 10th of September it was just before World Suicide Prevention Day which was 10th of September and I said mm-hmm. I was going to announce it and we had all this interest from stuff and I did, that was not planned at all so 
someone guys suggested suicide prevention obviously i lost someone suicide we find out it's world suicide prevention day like two weeks later so we launch on that day um and then i do a bit more research and i find out suicide is the biggest killer in young men and yeah biggest killer in young people sorry and 75 percent of them are men mm-hmm. um yeah i find out all these different things it all seems to just sort of like organically fit in place yeah and um, the stars were aligning and saying every time yeah. everywhere you turned it was almost like this is the right decision here's another sign yes. that this is the right decision for you yeah exactly exactly yeah. and i think that's something that you know and then i quickly realized you know that we're in as barbers and hairdressers we're in a brilliant position to be able to listen and look after our clients and and we do anyway and lots of people have always said that we are a poor man's psychiatrist or a poor mm. man's therapist or whatever um and I'm not saying we're trying, I'm trying to turn people into therapists, psychiatrists. That's not what we're trying to do, but it's a, it, it's a common thing that people sit and do it. And I think that's a, the thing about the idea that like you said, the stars aligning. I never, I've never, well, I said I never had to push it. I have had to push it. I've had to give hours and hours of my time for free and dedicate my life to what mm-hmm. I'm doing, but I've never had to force the idea on people. People have kept coming to us from us just, for me and the rest of the people, the volunteers, just putting the message out there, people are coming to us mm-hmm. um, and, and being involved with it. Um, but that's when I, you know, I wanted to deliver the training or develop training. So we developed our own barber talk training, which is bespoke for the hair industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but we wanted to make it so that it was very simple, effective. And like I said, I don't want people to be, I don't want hairdressers and barbers to be diagnosing. Mm. It's not, it's not, it's not our place to be doing that. And a lot of the other mental health training I've taken have been very in depth, very uh, precise about what symptoms are linked to what mental health problems and all that. And I think what we're trying to do is, it's, it's more general than that. It's more accepting that everybody has mental health problems. Everybody can go and sit in a chair and whinge to their barber or hairdresser about their kids or their job or their whatever. It doesn't have to be as far along as I'm going to take my life. Mm. It, you know, but it, I think by doing those things further on down the line, regularly with your hairdresser or barber, if you know it's a safe space, we can actually prevent further mental mm-hmm. ill health um by letting off steam and that's why the, the barb talk training has four pillars that we developed alongside lead psychiatrist lead suicide prevention psychiatrist and mm-hmm. former psychiatrist psychiatrist of the year easy for some to say and um <laughs> doc, dr peter aitken he helped me he sort of navigated it with me but we kept it in our language i say our language as a hair industry but mm-hmm. um it's just around four pillars it's about training people to recognize the signs mm-hmm. that something may be wrong, which then gives them the permission to ask the right questions, direct questions, things that we may often avoid. We always say things like, you're right, mate, how's it going? But it's not mm-hmm. actually a question. It's a greeting. And if someone actually offloaded to you after you said, all right, mate, you'd be a bit sort of like, well, I'm not, I didn't actually mean it. I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not re- I'm not ready for that. <laughs> but it's about asking, it's asking questions like, how are you feeling today, Jenny? Mm-hmm. using people's names making it in the moment asking them actually how they are feeling um and th- even preparing them for the questions such as are you suicidal do you have a plan and letting and helping them to realize that that's an okay question to ask it's not going to cause suicide it's going to in fact every person who i've asked that question to is still alive today which is mm-hmm. uh, just goes to prove to myself how important that question is thirdly <clears throat> listen with empathy and without judgment don't ask don't you know you don't have to fix anything. You don't have to advise them. You don't have to solve any problems. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you don't tell people I know how you feel or I understand because actually we don't and we never will, but we are willing to listen and try to understand and we're not going to judge them. Um, I think that's been quite interesting in the last few sessions that we have done. People have said to me that that's quite liberating to them mm. because they think they've got to try and solve people's problems, but we don't. Yeah. It's just about listening, listening and taking it on board and giving them the opportunity to solve their own problems mostly. And then finally it's help to help. So it's, about building a keep safe connection list, a network of what's available in your area, whether that be a moment of crisis and you have to call an ambulance or whether that be mm-hmm. Samaritans or Hub of Hope or Gamble Aware or whatever it may be. But having that network, the keep safe connections directory at your place of work so that if someone is in that moment of crisis or whatever mm-hmm. it may be struggling, you can go to them and say, look, I'm going to help you to find the help you need. I'm not here to solve your problems, but have you thought about speaking to mm-hmm. so-and-so or so-and-so? Um, it's almost like a bit of a referral system, a signposting yeah. system, um, and just helping them find the help they need with the idea is that we can bridge the gap between the communities that we serve as the hair industry, mm-hmm. of which our, yeah, our network and is so, it's so far spread it's on every single village high street every single city corner mm. there's always a hairdressers and barbers yeah. and, and connect those people using the hairdressers and barbers to the resources that are available the professionals out there the ones that people are unaware even exist mm-hmm. so it's basically worst case scenario connect them mm-hmm. best case scenario we can just listen to you and, and you can you know offload about something that's been doing your head in whatever that may be yeah. and that will help that'll help well, I guess traditionally a hairdresser's or a barber, and then when I think of sort of a, it being more of a place where people would go to talk about things, you think about like in the 50s, the women under the hair setting machines, mm. they would often yeah, yep. talk about things they might not in another environment. And the same for guys, you know, the, the program that's popped into my head, which I'm sure you know as well, is Desmond's, which was set in a barber yep. shop. And it, yep. it was groundbreaking for many reasons, not least because it was probably one of the first, you know, all black casts of a, of a sitcom in some way. Yep. But it showed how a barbershop often used to be, perhaps, or in some certain communities, is a real place to meet and sort of offload. But actually, I guess in the more modern sort of, you know, middle class world, often, yeah, so just going for a haircut, be back in 10 minutes. Whereas you're right, yeah. there's that moment where actually this is, this is a place... Like you say, it's a real safe space. It's really, it's turning something that could be quite a throwaway activity into a really powerful connecting activity, which is, I guess, traditionally often what, what it was, I guess, is my, my point there. Yeah. 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 I think the thing is that it's the human contact. I think the reasons why it works um, is because, like I say, traditionally it's been said anyway, mm. it's human contact. There's license to touch which is becoming rarer and rarer you know mm. touching very intimate spaces on people so through they're running their fingers through your hair and touching your face and your neck uh there's a level of trust there holding mm-hmm. a cut for a razor to somebody's throat is not you know gotcha. an everyday thing <laughs> um yeah their trust is to make us feel make them look good which in mm. turn makes them feel good um no interruptions you know you sit and have a conversation that like just that art of conversation i mean i don't think that that's kind of been lost because we spend too much time mm. talking via phones and we'll sit with, how often do you see it when everyone's sat with their friends, but they're all on their phones checking the football score or, you know, texting mate or mm. on Snapchat or whatever it may be. There's a lot of people spend time with each other, but talking to other people through devices. And I think that that half hour conversation mm-hmm. is very important and very liberating as well for some people just to be able to sit down and actually have that conversation with real person. Yeah. Um, 
but then at the same time there is that sense of slight disconnection because they, we talk for a mirror mm. we are we are friends of that person yet we're not in your social circle so there's the safety of it not getting back to perhaps somebody mm-hmm. if you do tell them yeah um and they can walk away from that place and leave it there you know it's a, a you know a safe space they come sit down have the haircut and then they they pay and off they go yeah it stays in that bubble that's amazing i really love it it's brilliant and does it help you as well and have you heard from other barbers that you now work with does does it help the barbers in their mental health journey as well has it been something positive for you to do this initiative as well i'm not i'm not sure it helps my mental health i think i I was i was a little bit caught of unaware of mental health as such Mm -hmm. until this happened i was pretty much and I think it's, it's this whole difficult situation, isn't it? Where if you become more aware of something, uh, aware of yourself, mm. then perhaps you spend a little bit more time thinking about ignorance as bliss and all of that. You know, you, you go along in your own little bubble, just offending everybody and doing whatever you want. But as long as you're, you're okay, then it doesn't yeah. matter. But I think, so there's, a, there's a pros and cons to it. I think it is, you know, but I have, because of that also, I'm now educated in how to look after myself, what sort of things I need to do, how much, you know, how important things like having a break and and being in the moment and mm. doing and, and conversations with others and just being around a big group of friends and we've got a nice network within the Lions Barber Collective whether it be the ambassadors and prospects or whether it be our Facebook group that we have where it's a safe space we can go and talk also you know having my family and friends around me helps me mm-hmm. um but I just think it's about realizing that it is okay to not be okay, but also we need to know how to not be okay because I think sometimes mm. it could become a little bit of an excuse. It's like, oh, it's okay to feel bad because we're talking about mental health more and more and more and more and more, which yeah. is fantastic. But also we need to tell people how to look after our mental health as well. It's like physical health. We all know how to look after our physical health. Whether we take the advice or not, we all know that if we eat better food we exercise regularly uh we you know take our vitamins or we do what do you know i mean we have supplements in our diet to balance mm. out things and we, you know that we know that should help prevent our, our physical health being bad but with mental health it's very much uh bipolar anxiety depression suicide ocd and that's it and there's no spectrum whereas we know physical health we can have like a, a bad day we've got a bit of a sniffle or we've got headache or we know how to look after that mm. take some take some Advil and we you know whatever you know drink some more water have some fresh fruit try and boost our immune system but we there isn't that there installed in society with mental health yet and I think you mm. know mental health affects us all whether it's it and it is okay not to be okay I'm you know definitely okay with that but it's okay to go right okay so how am I going to sort that out I'm going to take a day off I'm going to rest and whatever you know everyone's been let down everyone's been disappointed everyone's lost a loved one everyone's lost mm-hmm. a pet of relationship not like what's looking back at them in the mirror everyone's had these things going on and it is okay to do that but actually we need to know okay so how am I going to look after myself to make myself get better again yeah definitely so that's, that's where we need agree. to go yeah and what do you what do you do in that respect have you got any sort of things that you like to do and also I guess that's sort of tied in with with my question of like how do you find balance and time for self-care when you've got such an intense schedule you know and you've got a family how old are your boys now by the way are they growing the up boys fast? they're two and four. Oh my goodness uh, so you've got family and <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they're both wild as well they're great fun but they've got lots of energy um Brilliant. so yeah so it's you know that is difficult and it is difficult to find that time but i think 
it's about people think mindfulness is sitting there meditating and being in the moment and just you know not thinking about anything in your brain but actually you can do this in slightly different ways i find you know I always used to like going to the cinema because you turn your phone off, you get totally engrossed in the yeah. film and you're not, you'll think you are in the present. It's, it's slightly different, obviously from meditation and not thinking about anything and just being in the moment, but actually it's the same. It is the same at the same time. Cause you're not thinking about, you're thinking about how uncomfortable the cinema chair is. You're thinking about <laughs> uh, nearly eating all my popcorn. Uh, I'm thinking about, and then you're just thinking about what's going on on the, on the film and you get in, in totally engrossed in what's going on. I mean, mm it's been absorbed in that is liberating from your everyday life or it can be yesterday I spent the afternoon playing uh, well some of the afternoon playing Super Mario Kart with my four-year-old and 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 it it is just being in that moment yeah I'm thinking about that I'm thinking about I'm not thinking about I don't know bills or emails or you know Mm -hmm. the, the next book that I've got and this is my deadlines you know deadlines creeping up on me or whatever um so yeah, I really, I think there's there's lots of different ways. And again, it goes back to finding what works for you. Meditation is hard. It takes a lot of practice, mm-hmm. a lot of practice to not let your brain drift off and not get angry at yourself for your brain drifting off. And so, um, do you meditate you. as well? Do you like to do meditation? So, is that something you? Yeah, do? yeah. Sometimes it depends. Really, I think it's just finding the time to have a peaceful five minutes mm. with the with the kids and you know, so the end <laughs> I time I really <laughs> you write that on your blackboard don't you like, like remember yeah. to have peace for five minutes I can imagine you're uh... yeah the only time that really works is if I, when I'm in bed and I'll listen to like a uh, sleep meditation or something mm-hmm. like that and do that to go to go to sleep um but to be honest with you I don't need much help going to sleep most nights I'm cool. exhausted oh, that's good yeah it's funny because a lot of people do sort of say oh, they struggle to sleep and I know you mentioned it at the beginning you had to sleep this night but yeah I'm, I'm quite a, I'm I sleep really easily and I find it odd when there's lots of articles about how to get to sleep better and I think oh god no I need an article about how to wake up more easily Stay awake. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah oh yeah, it's funny isn't it yeah that's so cool. Thank you, Tom. The time has flown as always. I just thought it might be nice to finish. I'll get you to tell everybody where they can find you, Lions Barbers Collective, yeah. et cetera, and your books. Um, but would you have a tip for people who might be thinking they would like to start a charity endeavor linked to their freelance work? What would be your tip for people who are thinking about starting something up? Don't do it. No, um, it's a, it's a, I think it's, it's, I think you, if you're trying too hard to push something, you can think you've got the best idea in the world, but if you're trying too hard, it's exhausting. And I think you would, you need to, like I said, the lines took off because people believed in it. Mm. And people believed in it. I, I, I've just, I've put in, I've put in the hard work and if it stopped, if I stopped that it would stop. Uh, but if you're going to do it, um, make sure it's something that other people, believe in mm-hmm. you've got people around you because you're going to need all the volunteers and that you need be prepared to do many 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 hours of work for nothing mm-hmm. um, and be prepared for it to consume <laughs> your entire life <laughs> and it becomes and it's and it's so but at the same time it's so rewarding it's so amazing mm-hmm. the best things that have ever happened to me you know, when you save someone's life and someone said if it wasn't mm. for you then I would have taken my own life and even better now what's happening is I get messages from other people who have taken the training who then tell me that the, through the training they managed to save somebody's life wow that's and that's, that's, the, that's incredible yeah it's incredible and if, if anything you know we want when I first started it I wanted to do it. I said if all this work saves one person's life then it's all worthwhile and now we've gone on to be able to train other people to then go and do that also 
Amazing. That's wonderful. Oh, I've got the shivers. I always know it's been a good chat when I get the shivers, so that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Oh, brilliant. Would you like to tell everyone, so if somebody would like to get involved and get the training for their team, yeah. um, where people can find your books, you tell us everywhere that they might be able to connect with you and the collective. Okay, so if you just go to thelionsbarbercollective.com, uh, mm -hmm. you'll be able to get all our social media links and everything on there. It talks about the new film, The 1.7 Million Pound Haircut, which is on Amazon Prime, which you can go and Brilliant. watch there. My books are also on Amazon and Waterstones. The first one's called The Barber Boom, and the second one is called Barber Talk, um, Taking Pride in Men's Mental Health. And then I've got a children's book, which is coming out next year. Oh. So it's a work, working title at the moment. And then I've got another book, which I've just started, which seems like a, a long project at the moment because I'm you know, only a few thousand words in. But it's a, but that's going to be um, How to Listen So Men Will Talk is the working title, and that will come out in 2022. So a couple more projects. Yeah. Wow, you busy man. Thank you so much for, for finding some time in your schedule to chat to me because it sounds like you've got a lot on. <laughs> when that next book's that's out, let's pleasure. connect again and we'll have another, yeah, another catch-up in 2022. I think that'd be brilliant. I'd love that. Lovely. Thanks, Thank Tom. You. It's Fantastic. been a real Thank pleasure. You. Thank you. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for listening to Freelance Feels, the podcast for humans who work for themselves. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you have, you can rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and follow for future episodes. You can find more about Freelance Feels at freelancefeels.com and more of my work at jennystallard.com. Freelance Feels also has a monthly newsletter, which you can sign up to at freelancefeels.substack.com. And for daily updates, follow on Instagram and Twitter at freelance underscore feels.